Nem sempre o ar. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Nisim Black, a.k.a. Godsman, a.k.a. Hitler's Worst Nightmare, a.k.a. Sammy Davis' cousin. Y'all need know what it is. I was born in Seattle to hip-hop parents, got in trouble as a kid, but I was able to make a major life turnaround. I was a Muslim in my younger years. I became a Christian in my teens, only to discover that my soul was Jewish all along. So I picked up with my family, and we moved to Israel, where we are today. And everybody knows who's been listening already, this podcast is unpredictable. Who we bring on will be unpredictable. What we talk about will be unpredictable. And that's the way I love to do it. Talking about everything that we possibly can under the sun, from faith, religion, politics, your politics, my politics, and everything that we could possibly think of. So that brings us to today, where we have our guest, Dr. Michael J.T. Fisher. He is the lead pastor at the Greater Zion Church family, a position he has hailed. Since he was 25 years old, he is a gospel artist who uses the power of his voice to preach in a way that is real, raw, and relevant. He is more than just full of faith. He's got so much passion, and he's got more than anybody else out there. Pastor, thank you so much for joining me. I really do appreciate having you here. Really, really do. And uh, we had some technical difficulties. So, you know, when there's, we always say when there's obstacles, and that means there's something great on the other side. So I really do appreciate you uh, making your effort to be on it. So I have one question for you um, that I have to ask you as also to a musician and a man of faith. You and I both use our music, and we try to help spread faith and love with our music. For you personally, was music always a part of something you wanted to in- incorporate into your leadership or is it something that came later on for you um yeah so music has always been a part of my approach um i come from a musical family and my dad who was the pastor before me he was known in the church community as a preacher that could sing and my dad raised me saying use all the gifts that god has given you to be able to reach the masses so uh, when i came into this i knew i could sing all of my sisters and brothers sing um, so it's kind of like, I used to call it like the gospel version of the Jacksons. Fisher five. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was always a part of the plan to get me into, get me to an audience and get me in some rooms that the stigma of pastor Fisher would not give me access to. And it has actually worked. So I've been able to perform on stages where I think that normally they wouldn't have received me. So it worked pretty well. That's amazing because, you know, it's very interesting because in my world and in the Jewish world and and now I, I think it's even spread to a lot of the motivational speaking now these days is a certain concept called mixtape, um, which is not like mixtape. I grew up where hearing, you know, uh, gritty rhymes on, on, on somebody else's beat, which later on became something else like these, you know, pre-albums, but mixtape in terms of using music um, behind very, very powerful um, uplifting message or some type of speech or something like that. And I remember I was sitting in the car and a friend's like telling me like, there's this new thing, you know, that everybody's doing now or whatever. And I'm just like, man, they've been doing that in church for years. What are you talking about? You know what I'm saying? Before the altar call happens, man, that music starts playing and your heart starts opening up. Like, and music has always been a part of it. You know what I mean? And you see that influence from, you know, really the church starting to spread out into these other places like I do. 
Yeah, well, hopefully. I mean, if the church is smart, <laughs> they they would. Um, I think that music, as we all know, is the universal language. Right. It, it, it crosses all religion. It crosses all uh, forms of cultural background. You feel music. It makes you sad, happy, excited, scared. Music really is the strings to our souls. So if the church is smart, along with any organization, that if you want to broaden your audience and stay relevant, you're going to incorporate music to everything that you do. So the message is great. It's wonderful. But to all of the Torah, you have the book of Psalms, you know. So, you know, that's God's way of letting it be understood that music, our songs are relevant in how it is he wants to express himself to the culture. Right. It's amazing. So who is a musician that really like inspires you or motivates you? Which artists do you take inspiration from, if any? And do you incorporate, you know, certain ideas or styles that they use in their music or, or anything like that into your own faith? You know, what's, what's going to sound, no, I'm, I'm going to say weird. You know, you're an educated man. You're cultured, so it won't sound weird to you. But I think the last thing anyone is going to expect me to say is this. that I get a lot of inspiration from scores. Wow, I'm with you. I love movie scores, you know? So, like, um, I, I love the epic movies, you know? Uh, currently, I'm just crazy about the Avengers main theme song or uh, The Day After Tomorrow. I love that score. Uh, so Hans Zimmer is someone that I love. I love his yeah. track Time that they use for the movie Inception. So for me, it's not necessarily the artist as much as it's people who can create the sound. Wow. Because the truth is, is that the artist really doesn't even get in the mode of writing if it's not the right sound. So right. I'm a fan of people who create the sound. Uh, yeah, and, and all throughout the scripture, that's how God usually introduces himself is with a sound, mighty rushing wind, or they heard him walking through the garden. Those are sounds, you know. Wow. So for me, Moonlight uh, Sonata tracks like that's my thing. I know somebody probably was like, I was going to be like, yeah, L. Cool J, you know, run DMC. <laughs> you know, Tupac. That is real. You know, I don't I don't even speak about that enough in my own. I think, you know, we cut from the same cloth as far as that. I mean, people don't even understand the the, the beauty. Like uh, if I mean, even if you thought you, you think about it, like if you just watch a movie, you know, even something epic like, you know, I haven't watched movies in years. I'm not going to lie to you. But like, uh, you know, one of my favorite all time favorite movies was the movie 300, you know, and, mine, you know, man. I remember that. Like, I'm telling you, when those the strings like if you took that away, it's not going to be as appealing. People don't understand, you know, when it comes into film, and even though it, it takes like, you know, it's like the last thing these these producers are are, are dealing with is like the last thing is like, okay, now we got to get the music, but it's like that's the whole entire sale. That's what creates the emotional draw. So I'm I'm very much so with you on that. Yeah, I understand completely. Yeah, so I I'm, so I, I, I my major in college was uh, rhetorical criticism and branding with a minor in psychology. Wow. You know, I really have studied what music does. You know, the right sound, 
the correct environment can open up people's hearts to receive so much. That's amazing. That's amazing. So, so for me, um, being a Jewish artist that uses like contemporary sound, I use rap music to express myself. My mother was a rapper. My father was a rapper. I was, you know, I, I was born into this. I love this. And this is what I know how to do. And your world, you have guys like Derek Minor, uh, Lecrae, Gavi. There's so many different people um, that are also using rap music, using contemporary sound, which in some circles, religious circles, gets a bad rap. Of course. So how you feel like it's being received in your world? world? Uh, well, in my world, you know, so I'm a unique pastor with a unique church. Right. Right. I look younger than what I am. Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> you don't look a day over 20. <laughs> and I mentioned in your bio that you've been a pastor since you were 25. So I, I want to know what you're eating. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, I'm vegan. You know, that's that's the first thing. <laughs> and so keeping control of the temple, I pastor at Compton and I have a young crowd. So out of the 3,000 members we have, 70% of them are 35 and under. So in my crowd, in my sphere, in my world, no one bats an eye when it comes to Lecrae and those kind of artists. But to everyone else, they're consistently bashing them as if rap and hip hop is from the devil. It irritates me. Right. Because the Bible is all about poetry. I mean, <laughs> you know, if you if you walk through Job, you got Psalms, you got Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. And if you want to talk about some R-rated music, just walk through that Songs of Solomon. You know, how he just graphically talks about, it's all a metaphor, of course, but how he uses some graphic words that, you know, people would probably dismiss because they're so religious. I think all of the talents that we possess are just attributes of God that he just sprinkles in every individual. And I don't think that we do him any justice in trying to silence those pieces of God that are in one another. Right. Just because I can't do it doesn't make it any less godly. And that I hate to see that they still, you know, like, like Lecrae still has to justify his music. Right. I think that that's so old. It's so yesterday. It's so expired. I'm so over it. Right. I think also, too, you know, it's so incorrect because, you know, if you look in even from a biblical perspective where music is first found, when you first think about the first musical instruments, you see first Tubokine. Um, who created, you know, the first weapons, and, and Yuval, who created the first musical instruments. Now, we have many commentaries and different things like that explain that these guys were not good guys. These guys were, were evil guys. And, and music was, at that time, used uh, as a way to promote uh, idol worship. Um, the next time you see Levan Laban, who, who played also, too, with the lyre. And, the, and then all of a sudden, you see King David. You see, you see Levi singing in the choir that was happening inside. Now you're seeing the exact same instruments that were used for the idol worship. Now all of a sudden seem to be the very music that King David is using or to inspire people's heart to serve God. So it's a very interesting thing that sometimes the most powerful thing in the world is the one thing that everybody says is like, oh, no, it can't be. God's not with that. God's not using that. And it's very interesting. You see now, and I've told people many different times that if you look at now what rap culture has done is sort of have the, the music industry in the world in the grip of its hand, this powerful genre, how dare God not have representation over in that place? Yeah, I agree completely. I think it's something to be said about that. So you yourself, your third generation pastor, and you're following in the footsteps 
steps of both your father and your grandfather. Do you ever feel like there's any pressure to live up to what they accomplished? Oh my God, yes. But that's good pressure. My grandfather, he, during the time of the late 1920s, through the 1940s, settling finally down in the 1950s in Los Angeles, established eight churches throughout the South. So that that was unheard of. Then my father comes along and he started his church in Compton in 1954, the first Black church in Compton. He told me the story of when he went to the city council, it was an all-white council, and he asked them for permission to build, and they didn't charge him a dime, and they laughed and said, let that Negro do what he wants because he'll never last. 65 years later, we're still here. Wow. So when we're talking about people who are moving the needle like that, not just in the name of religion, but in the name of culture, those are some big shoes to fill. However, right. because I'm fully aware that their DNA, their blood, that lineage, that legacy runs through my veins, then I know that I'm capable of being able to move the needle in my own way for this present generation. So it's pressure, but it's not pressure that I feel like I can't do it. It's pressure in the sense of like, oh man, you know, I got to make sure I live up to that. And I kind of just put pressure on myself to make it happen and not to sleep on myself and not to lag, not to be slowful, but to move forward as quickly as I possibly can while it is that I have breath in my body and mobility in my limbs. So um, I'm excited about what I do. I think what you're saying is amazing because we also have an understanding also, you know, even even in the Jewish world, that since Abraham was our father, so all the gifts and different things that he was able to accomplish are passed down. Even it's not just the things that you receive from a, you know, from a DNA perspective that these things are passed down to you because it's a part of your DNA and you, you received it and 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 even that there's monetary things that people can leave behind or whatever and you can have an inheritance or whatever but there's also a spiritual inheritance also and so you being you know third generation then then the same to some degree the same power and ability that your grandfather had and the same thing that your father had is really instilled in you you have that power too it's sort of like waking up and dusting those things off so, and, and although you've already mentioned that you do things a little bit different, what are the things that you took from them? What are the things that, that you've been able to take and like, I'm, I'm going to build up on this. Okay, so they started the churches and they were able to be powerful, but now there's other things, I'm sure other elements within of that that you were able to take for yourself and be like, I'm building on this and this is how I'm going to do it. Yeah, so I was raised that a true man knows who he is. He doesn't shudder at it. He doesn't minimize himself to make other people comfortable. So the two main things that I took from my father's legacy and what he told me about my grandfather is number one, being your truest, authentic self that God made you to be and using that for his glory. He made you that way. So that means like, I can't help it if I'm a very direct, boastful, powerful speaker, right? I'm not going to minimize that. He wants to use that that girth, if you will, to move the needle for, for what we affectionately say in the church world for the kingdom, right? Number two, he wants to do something for that culture that's different than what he did in the previous culture. And you have to be open for that. So what that means is all of us were individuals. My dad did it his way. My grandfather did it his way. And my dad, he sang. And then during his time, he had guitar in the church. He had bongo players in the church. <laughs> um, and everyone thought that that was crazy. But he didn't allow anybody to dictate to him how it is he was going to allow God to use his gifts. 
to move the needle. And so I take those principles and then I allow them to be used in my unique way. So for me, my dad didn't dance, but I have the ability to dance. So if you look at some of my stuff that's out there on YouTube, like my video Hire, or have another video called Favor, it's choreography in there. And when they first saw me breaking out in some eight counts, they was like, he a pastor? You know, and I'm like, don't hate on me. Don't, you know, don't, right. don't hate on me because you can't learn an eight count, you know. <laughs> uh, David danced before the Lord, you know. So I've used every gift that I've been given. I do poetry. I can rap. Uh, I'm not as good as y'all. I need some time. I got to sit and really, <laughs> I lost all the, the, the lunch table ciphers. <laughs> but I can sing, I can dance, and whatever talent, you know, I, f- I feel like I'm a treasure chest to God. Mm. So whatever he looks in me and digs out and says, you know what? I want to use that to affect this room. I'm available. And I will not shut it down right. just because there are man-made rules that want to tell me what I can and what I cannot do. So that's what I've taken from that le- their legacy. Fire. That's amazing. I'm with you. Couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah, man. <laughs> so you learned a lot from your family. But who are other contemporary faith leaders that you that you see are either refreshing or exciting? And 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 what do you what are they doing that you feel that's important right now for the generation, for the culture, and, and for faith? There's one man, his name is Bishop Kenneth C. Ulmer. Bishop Kenneth Ulmer. He is the pastor of a large church out here in LA called Faithful Central Bible Church. And he was unique. When I was a young boy, I remember a lot of the church people used to bash him because he didn't do a lot of what they did. He didn't have a lot of the antics they had. He didn't follow their model. Uh, But he ended up being one of the most successful and long-lasting pastors, not just in Los Angeles, but internationally. And God blessed me with the opportunity to come to actually know him. And then he became my mentor back in 2007. And he has poured into me directly. And he is always reiterating those same principles that I'm telling you to be uniquely you. No one else can be you. And then God took all of that and then he called it for his own personal use. So Bishop Omer is one. Another one, which is the reason why I'm also so uh, involved in social justice, is Dr. Milana Karanga, who is the founder of Kwanzaa, was my professor for four years at Cal State University, Long Beach. And he took me under his wing and mentored me Wow. Uh, about three years, even after I graduated from Cal State Long Beach. And he really talked to me about, you know, making sure that all because I'm preaching and all because I'm a pastor and all because I am a bridge and a a peacemaker does not mean that I need to negate who I am culturally in that process, right? So I can be an advocate for peace. I could be an advocate for unity and still be an advocate for my people and the justices and the injustices that we are fighting for and fighting against every single day. So those two uh, individuals have really been a great, uh, man, just great father figures beyond my own father. Now, I'll be honest with you, which I hope I doesn't get me in trouble. I am struggling and finding anyone kind of in the generation under them because I feel like we're starting to kind of lose our way. And I've been kind of frustrated in that 
people now that are leaders and voices for all communities seem to have their focus on the wrong things. Unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately. So my mentors are, they're kind of aged, you know, (laughs) so I'm around those wisdom, you know. Right, right. (laughs) That's good. You know, thinking about that, everything has changed. You know, I I recently had an interview with Fat Men Scoop and we were just talking about the evolution of rap music. And one thing he said to me was that the rappers used to be the drug dealers and now today they're the drug users, you know. And you start to see that everything starts to flip. And even what you said about social justice, like that's also too, that's something new. Wasn't something that was always being dealt with by the church is sort of like let's leave that on the side you know i want to understand this is a brother from a brother yeah and 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 regardless of how i would say even regardless of how strong the black church is amongst the other christian uh members of the faith or denominations or whatever it's still not the majority i would say probably not you know not including africa i'm just saying it's still not the majority so with that there is like this major elephant always in the room, especially when it comes to social justice things. Where does the space come from? And I'll just say it straight like this. I always tell people when they ask me that now, you know, first, obviously, I'm going to speak out if I see an injustice somewhere. I'll speak out about it. If I really genuinely see some type of injustice, I'll speak out about it. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to put who I am because my physical body is a, it's a house for a soul. There's a soul inside of it that has no color. It's even bigger and beyond anything that I could possibly think of. So I would assume that for a Christian man is that before I'm black, I'm a Christian. Right. Doesn't mean that you don't, like you said, you don't pay attention to things in your culture. Before I'm black, I'm a Jew. Jew isn't like people here like, oh, wow, this white. If a person come to Israel, you see so many different flavors and different colors of Jew. You know what I'm saying? Like it's a religion. It's a faith. Right. So before I'm anything else, I'm faith. How do you balance that? is a question is because that's a real serious thing right now, especially with everything that's been so heated over the last year or so. Yeah. Well, you know, the book of Isaiah is all, it opens up heavy. You know, the prophet says, you know, do good, you know, clean your hands. You know, he's talking to the systems that are in place, you know, right. uh, to put it in today's term, he's like, check your heart. And so from that posture, I think that that's our duty as mm. all men and women of faith is to be the heart checkers. So when so when I when I stand up for injustice, I'm not going to stand up for injustice just when it happens to the people that are black. I have a problem with anti-Semitism. I have a problem with hate crimes that are performed to those that are in the LGBTQ plus I community, no matter what people feel about that, right? I feel like everybody deserves to be treated with respect. Right. Everybody deserves to have equal opportunity. Everyone deserves to have a chance at equity. Um, And when those things are being um, withheld from anybody because of the color of their skin or classism or, you know, uh, people abusing authority, I feel from the posture of Isaiah, I got to make those people that are in in seats of authority check their heart. And so for me, I think that that should be the position of all people that are members of the faith community, because it doesn't matter at the end. We can argue all day long in the details and the doctrine and the theology, blah, blah, blah. But if you are a man or woman of faith, we are ambassadors to make sure that we are conduits of the desires of God for humanity. Right. And what does that look like? He wants us to make sure that those that can't defend for themselves are defended for. He wants to make sure that we are speaking up on behalf of people who cannot speak up before 
for themselves. So that's how I keep that balance. So when people come at me, they see me very vocal about something. I mean, when, I remember when Black Lives Matter started trying to pull at me and I was like, I, we right now are on the same side on some things, but I'm not about to just be over here and everything that comes out of, out of my mouth is pro-Black. Right. Because I care about Everyone. And so the moment that even we as a people, if we ever get into a position and we start oppressing others, I'm going to have a problem with that. And I, I finished this statement in that currently in the city of Compton, my father started, like I told you, it was all predominantly white. So at that time, they didn't want Black people to get ahead back in the 1950s. That's a problem, right? Right. Fast forward to 60 something years later, we now are a 65% Latino. And then now the Latinos are trying to get ahead and we've got Black people and Black politicians that are in power purposefully saying, I don't want no Latino as a council member. I don't want no Latino as no mayor. I don't want no Mex no Mexican for this. So I stood up and said, you're just as wrong. You're just as wrong because my job is to make you check your heart. And so that goes beyond uh, the color of my skin, right? That's about morality. That's integrity. That's character. And both you and I can always live in that vein. And that's why I can be a Christian and I have more rabbi friends than I do pastor friends, right. you know, uh, because it's all about living in that that nuance of making sure that we cause those in seats of power to check their hearts so that they don't abuse their power. No, it's, that's real, man. That's beautiful. I, I, I've talked about this a few different times, but, you know, all these different details and, and things that are potential harm could be a potential harm. But at the end of the day... Right now, I've I've said like this, the other side has waged a war against God, right? So it I think it's upon every single person who's a part of the faith community, no matter where you come from, to stand up and to fight against that. And and and, and we're gonna have to lock arms to be able to fight it, you know. And I think that uh, I think that what you said is very, very powerful. So I have one last question and then, you know, I'm gonna let you get on with your day. But uh I can actually sit here for an hour and talk to you. I have I have enjoyed this, man. I I love this podcast. Thank you. I looked at some of your stuff, man. I think it's totally cool. Next time you in the States and you doing something, I gotta come check you out. I'm I'm gonna check you out when I'm in LA. I don't know how you stayed in no Seattle though. <laughs> I don't know how you live in Seattle. You should have been out of Seattle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It should, it should have been way before. Right, Jimmy. right. You should have been. <laughs> that is true. I, I love I love my people, but, you know, I'm very, very happy to have been out of there. My last thing is this. Is there anything from the Bible, the Torah for me, anything that you feel that's relevant right now at this time in history, if you could say what God is trying to teach the people, what, what people should be thinking about right now, is there anything that you would say? Yeah, the scripture for me, and it's in, it's going to be in the New Testament for me, is it's in Romans 12. And our one of our writers, his name is Paul. He says in the last verse of chapter 12, he says, and don't let evil overcome your good. I think that it's in a world filled with so much intentional hatred, outright displays of disregard for life. It almost brings tears in my eyes when I talk about it. It is going to be vital that soldiers on the field like you and I and those who will listen to this will be intentional in not allowing the evil to overcome our good and the good that we're trying to accomplish. The partnerships that we're trying to bring together, even though there are evils on both sides, all sides. There are always bad apples to every bunch. We have to still reach across the aisle. 
We have to still believe that the greater good will win. We have to still believe in the power of love and communication. Even though every time you turn on the TV, you're seeing kids, innocent kids being killed because someone brought in a gun to school and shot it up. You know, I still have to believe that my messages that I'm preaching, the songs that I'm producing, and the times that I stand before the masses is reaching enough people to move the needle just a little bit. And I can't allow the evil that I see to convince me otherwise. So that would be my message. And I'm holding on to that dearly. And I'm spreading that everywhere I go. And I I leave by saying this. One day when I looked at the pyramids, right? The pyramids are a great structure. It just blows everybody's mind. But if you really think about it, it's just small little grains of the sand compacted on top of each other, on top of each other, on top of each other. And then we get this huge structure. What do I mean by that? I try not to take in trying to change the world. I just take in trying to change the person. And if I change that person, that person would change a person. And that person would change that person and change a person and change a person until eventually we change families. And then those families change the communities and the communities change the culture. And then culture changes the world. And I may not be alive by the time we get to the culture part, but I'll definitely be a part of changing a person. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, so eventually we get the the great structure like we do the pyramids one person at a time. So I live by that. I pass that to you, my brother, my new friend. I pass that to those that are listening. And yeah, that would be my my advice. Man, it's amazing in its power. And, and I'm with you a thousand gazillion percent. And I can't wait to hook up over there. Listen, I because because of my dietary restrictions, I can't I can't eat at Roscoe's chicken and waffles, but we can go sit somewhere and <laughs> I'm going to take you to Roscoe's. Don't worry about it. Because I'm going to eat a waffle. I just won't eat no chicken with you. (laughs) If it's kosher, then then we can make it happen, man. If we can make it happen. (laughs) But listen here, I really appreciate it. And you should only go from strength to strength. And God should bless your hands to continue to, to uplift people and, and to bring people closer to God. That's that's all I can, that's all I can ask. Yeah, I think that you're doing a great work. I appreciate you. I appreciate this time, you know. And for those that are listening and will listen to this, because this lives forever, I pray that whoever was walking in darkness will come to the light. And uh, you're doing a great work, man. So shalom to you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate you coming on. All right. Thank you. Wow, wow, wow. That conversation with Pastor Michael J.T. Fisher was just over the top for me. Really, really over the top for me. And it's a beautiful thing. And I and that's one of my favorite things about being able to do this podcast. It's like we may be coming from probably at its origins, probably from the same world. My father's also a pastor. To to be in two different faiths and just like you could just see just in the midst of this conversation how many different things that we agree on. So many people are fighting and arguing about so many different details and like in the midst of all of that, God is just being dishonored and pushed to the side while while I feel like, you know, more evil things and more injustices are happening to the world while people are fighting about silly things. So that conversation was power for me. And, uh, you know, every, every wow and every woe and everything that I gave over to it was genuine. And uh, I really, really hope to see him win and, and, and do his good in the world. And uh, I just, I can't say enough about how impressed I am with him. And concluding, as I always do, I love to leave you with a song. And I think it's appropriate from 
know, two men having discussion from two different faiths, but we're able to come together on a lot of different things that we do believe in and, and many components of the faith that we do share, um, which is an important conversation to have. Uh, so I want to leave you with this song, Love Letter. Love Letter is a letter that I wrote to some degree to heaven, um, but at the same time, I'm more so describing my own ups and downs and different things that I've gone through my own relationship with God and thanking God for where he brought me to. And I think it's appropriate after this conversation. So please listen to Love Letter. Go stream it on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you listen to music. Check it out. And until next time, be strong and only go from strength to strength. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you so much for listening to The Deal with me, Nisim Black. It's a production of the Joshua Network. Our executive producer is Josh Cross. Our producer is Gilad Brownstein. Please follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at The Deal with NB. And subscribe and rate the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast content. Please share this with your friends so that they can get this raw and riveting stuff from me, yours truly, God's man. Direction. I wrote her down so I can let you know I'm holding